Hey, welcome to the Scrum GBH's Politics Podcast. I'm Adam Riley. In this episode, Peter Kadzis and I talk with our colleagues Soraya Wintersmith and Philip Martin about some dramatic developments in the Boston mayor's race centered around city councilor Andrea Campbell. Here's a quick recap. A few days ago, Commonwealth Magazine reported that Richard Taylor, a local real estate developer, had emailed some Campbell supporters suggesting that she drop out of the mayor's race to clear the way for acting mayor Kim Janey. Taylor said Campbell could become Suffolk County District Attorney as a consolation prize, even though it's not yet clear that job will be open or that Campbell has any interest in it whatsoever. And then there was Campbell's back and forth with the Boston Police Patrolmen's Association. After the BPPA complained on Twitter that a Campbell-led committee was holding up a million dollars in police grant money, Campbell replied, Last I checked, we were still waiting to hear from the BPPA on why they enabled and elevated an accused child molester. That was a reference to former BPPA head Patrick Rose, who remained on the force and ultimately led that union after he was accused of sexually assaulting a child a quarter century ago. He now faces multiple criminal charges after five other people accused him of abuse. The BPPA then replied to Campbell, There's a little saying about people who live in glass houses, which seems incredibly appropriate at this time. And if I were you, when the topic of discussion turns to enabling criminals, you and your credibility would be best served by recusing yourself. Hashtag hypocrisy. That seemed to be a reference to Campbell's brother, Alvin, who's awaiting trial on charges that he sexually assaulted nine women while posing as a rideshare driver, and possibly to her deceased twin brother, Andre, who passed away while being held in pretrial custody by the State Department of Correction. I started off our conversation by asking Soraya Wintersmith about that email that suggested Campbell drop out of the mayor's race. I'm just fascinated by what Soraya has been covering over the weekend. Andrea Campbell pushing back at this nascent, maybe more than nascent effort to get her out of the race. What was the premise of that email that came out last week suggesting maybe it's time for Andrea Campbell to turn her sights on different employment? So I haven't had a chance to talk directly with Mr. Taylor himself. I would love to ask him just exactly what he was trying to get at. But from what we can tell in the Commonwealth Magazine piece, it seems like there's a logical sort of push to unify political power behind one candidate. And in this missive that Taylor was circulating, he suggested that it would be smart uh, for that goal, in the service of that goal, for Councillor Campbell to really look at perhaps replacing the Suffolk County District Attorney if she does, in fact, become elevated to the U.S. Attorney seat. And part of the Commonwealth piece quoted him as saying, we already have one woman in the mayoral seat, no reason to switch it up. We'd clear a path for her forward. And so this makes sense. We should all unify behind this. Uh, Andrea Campbell did not take kindly to that suggestion. You were at the event. What did she say to them? She addresses the issue in an indirect sort of way. You know, she told the people before they went out to start collecting signatures on her behalf that there are those who are trying to get her out of the race, those who are trying to suggest that it's not a viable campaign, and she's telling them not to get distracted by the noise. 
stay focused. I do still believe that we are in a moment in time where we have an opportunity in the city of Boston to make sure that that's, this city works for everybody, to make sure that we address our painful history of race and racism, but not just stay in that place, right? Do the hard work of eradicating the persistent inequities that exist in our city and have existed for generations. So it sounds like she didn't go back as aggressively at the idea that she should drop out when she was talking to people in the field as she did in that email statement, correct? Because that was pretty forceful. It suggested, if I remember correctly, that Kim Janey, the acting mayor, was implicitly or explicitly making this argument herself, that, that she was part of this or might be part of this. The tone of that statement was, to my eye, really hot. I mean, she sounded livid, and I don't blame her because, as she pointed out in the statement, she had dared to hop in this race before we knew that Marty Walsh wasn't going to be running for mayor himself. So it sounds like she toned it down a little bit when she talked to volunteers. Am I right about that? When she talked to volunteers, yes. But when she talked to us, she said unequivocally she is not interested in any other office than the one that she jumped into the race for. I'm running to be the next elected mayor in the city of Boston. That is my focus. That is where my purpose is feels aligned. And that will not change. I, like you, do not blame her. Again, no one would contest the idea that it's smart for people who want to elect a black woman mayor to pick one and get behind her. But I, I really would love to talk to Mr. Taylor and ask. I hope no one was consulting him <laughs> to send that email because it seems ill-advised, especially in a race where, of course, things are diverse, but there are more women candidates than there are men. And for a man to suggest that someone look at something else on everyone else's behalf before they've really had the chance to compete in debate, uh, in terms of long-term fundraising, it seems ill-advised. Yeah, it strikes me as a great plus for Andrea Campbell, very much like Marty Walsh stepping on Michelle Wu's announcement. Come the September primary, no one's going to remember this. Richard Taylor who I haven't spoken to in years, but is a very nice guy, very well-intentioned guy. Sorry to say that he has signaled his amateur status by sending that email out. I'd also really recommend Adrian Walker's column in The Globe. Adrian just says, look, the race has barely started. Let's let the people decide. But this is not surprising uh, at all. And I'm also not surprised that Richard Taylor chimed in for a number of reasons. I think um, as a business person, he has a number of ties with Janie. Uh, none of those ties are outlandish. I mean, they are, it's the ties you have with the city. He's been building up uh, the parcels along Melnia Cass Boulevard. He has stake in um, a number of new projects uh, that are being uh, considered. And so I think what he was uh, doing, and this is not, of course, I'm not defending him. I'm, I'm trying to rationalize what he's doing. And I think what he's trying to do is basically make it clear that he wants someone in that position who's going to be friendly to his interest and the interest of other black business people and figure that if uh, Andrea uh, and uh, Mayor Kim Janey basically continue uh, fighting it out, that they might both might lose. I think that's his consideration. This is an assumption. Uh, but it's also interesting to say Andrea Campbell, uh, even before this, essentially throwing a bit of shade 
uh, at, uh, at Kim Janey. She knows that in order to win, uh, that they cannot be seen as, oh, we'll take one or the other. Uh, it has to be seen as, a, as an imperative for her. And so that's one of the reasons she's been pushing hard on the Office of Police Accountability and Transparency, uh, which they signed off on last year. And she pointed out that Mayor Janey, when she was heading the city council, did not come through on one aspect of the Office of Public Accountability and Transparency, which would have taken about 10% of police budget and reallocated it somewhere else. And Andrea Campbell has been uh, very specific in saying that Janie then, as city council president Janie, had not come through on what had been, she felt, a promise to basically hold the police accountable. And so whether uh, Richard had sent this letter or not, this schism had to play out some way or another. It also, I should say, preceded by Diane Wilkerson's attempt to basically get black uh, leaders and black community leaders behind a single candidate before this latest uh, schism broke out. And she's working on that full time to try to get John Barrows and others to agree on a single candidate. And I think the person they're going to agree upon right now, uh, without question, is probably Janie because she's already in the, uh, in the mix. Philip, I'm glad you brought up Wilkerson's push, which, tell me if I'm wrong here, it's called Wakanda 2. That's the successor right. That's right. to the, the effort that they made around the Suffolk DA's race. And in that election, there were some city mm -hmm. council seats, if I recall correctly, that they were also targeting. Did Taylor, did his email reflect just one guy deciding to freelance, maybe for the reasons that you described, which make a lot of sense? Or was he acting in any way in concert with Wilkerson's Wakanda 2 campaign? I don't think so. No, they, they're very disparate. But... <laughs> I think they're pretty much in the same boat in terms of uniting behind a single black candidate. And they have many examples to show, if you don't, what could possibly happen. For example, you could uh, look no further than what happened this past weekend in Texas uh, when uh, two candidates who are basically left in a race involving uh, nearly a dozen people because about six or seven Democrats had jumped in instead of uniting behind a single candidate, a Latina, who ended up in third place and was expected to come in in second place. They point to examples like that to show that you take a huge chance in diluting the vote, especially in a low turnout race, as the mayor mayor races tend to be in Boston, by not uniting behind a single black candidate in this case. I should mention that Soraya Wintersmith was nodding vigorously at what Philip was saying when I suggested that maybe there was some connection between this email and Wakanda too. So just for, you know, since that's not going to come through on the audio, Soraya, like Philip was saying, no, not at all. Right, Soraya? Fair? I don't think that the two efforts are connected. I think there's completely a difference between a rogue person circulating an email to wherever it went and Diane Wilkerson and her group trying to let the candidates compete through methods that we understand groups use to render their endorsements, right? It's the same as when the New York Times decided who they were going to get behind in the last presidential election. We call the candidates in, we sit them down and have interviews, we circulate a questionnaire to understand where their heads are at on policy. We allow them to compete before we decide for everybody else, let's just go here because it's easier. Part of the context, as many of our listeners will know for what's happening, is what happened in 2013 when there were 
two black candidates in John Barrows and Charlotte Golder Ritchie, or am I omitting someone? I'm not sure the analogy holds, Adam. I, I mean, it's a good point to bring up. The reason I say that is Gola Ritchie, a wonderful woman, did not run a good campaign. Barrows electorally didn't cut it, and, you know, Councillor Yancey, God bless him, I actually loved his campaign. I thought he raised great issues. Yancey has always struck me as the voice of blue-collar black Boston, but none of them, even Gola Ritchie, I think would have been viable citywide candidates. The reason is that was then, this is now. One of the big things that has changed is Ayanna Presley's congressional victory, which not only opened up everyone's eyes, but was representative of forces that have been at work for a long time right under the surface. We don't have such an incredibly diverse Boston City Council by accident. And that's one of the reasons that I don't think the analogy holds. I think the political landscape right now is very different. In a way, the thing that is most different about it is the absence of a white man running. I'm not astounded at all that a white guy isn't running. Now, someone could still get in, and I should say a viable candidate. But the whole trend in Boston politics in recent years has been black voters coming to the fore in claiming a place they didn't have before. The election of District Attorney Rawlins is a shining example of that. I'll tell you one thing that's also interesting, Peter, that you raise. It's Charlotte Gula Ritchie. I understand, is against that type of brinkmanship, choosing a single black candidate. I understand that that is not something she she likes. And I know for, for sure that some of the uh, candidates who were in the same race with uh, Rollins for the uh, district attorney of Suffolk County, they too find uh, that that is not the way to run a campaign, uh, basically by forcing someone out based on um, racial predilections. <laughs> I think it's it's quite interesting. I'm also wondering, and I don't know the answer to this, I'm wondering how Michelle Wu is feeling about all of this. She, at this point at least, until, uh, unless, uh, as Peter pointed out, perhaps a white guy might run who might be a bit more conservative, might be able to corral votes from West Roxbury and other places that are more traditionally conservative, West Roxbury, Rosendale Hyde Park. I wonder how Michelle Wu benefits from what could be a growing schism between Janie and uh, Andrea Campbell. You mean that if the two of them, along with other candidates who could theoretically be the, the one black candidate that people unify behind, if that base is fragmented, then it benefits Wu? Not necessarily, because a lot of black folks would certainly vote for Wu as well. I think that uh, she attracts many progressives, liberals, black folks, Latinx. I just wonder if it might be split such that, I mean, I'm thinking about John Barrows, for example, who I don't think has gathered enough signatures yet for his uh, campaign, but still working at it. Uh, but if you have Barrows, you have Campbell, you have uh, Janie, you have to some degree Asabi George, and then you have Michelle Wu, who has been able to build a really good machine, it seems, since before her announcement. She's been at it longer than anyone else. I'm wondering, given the splintering of a black vote, and some people will vote based simply on race, but a lot of people won't, and it is that won't part that contributes to the base of support for Wu. That is to say, people who view her 
as perhaps the, the most competent of the bunch, perhaps. They might see her as new and shiny, uh, and that new and shiny they gravitate toward. It, without question, the attention paid to the racism against Asian Americans, I have no doubt uh, that that might also help her in terms of people carving out a perception that she too can uh, be formidable in, in dealing with police who are errant and in dealing with uh, issues of racism overall and dealing with a city that has not always been responsive to people of color. Those are great points, many of which I will confess had not occurred to me at all. So thank you for making them. Absolutely. I want to ask you all if you were surprised to see the Boston Police Patrolmen's Association go after Andrea Campbell uh, a few days ago. As we've discussed here, she has been one of the people driving the push for police reform in the city. So maybe simply by dint of that, it shouldn't be surprising that they went after her the way they did. But I still found it rather remarkable to see the big law enforcement union in the city of Boston draw a parallel between their apparently allowing Patrick Rose, their union president, to continue serving, even though he had been credibly accused of sexually assaulting a child. And Andrea Campbell, the implication was, had in some way enabled her brother's misdeeds. And by saying misdeeds, I don't want to I don't want to um, do short shrift to what he's accused of, because what he's accused of is really, really bad. But I haven't seen anyone say that Andrea Campbell set him up to break the law uh, in the way that people have said the BPPA set Patrick Rose up to continue serving in a post that he, it certainly seems, should not have been serving in. So that kind of took my breath away when I saw the tweet that they sent out. Um, am I being naive or delicate here or were you guys bowled over by it as well? I don't think you will see anybody make that connection as if it's an apples to apples comparison. There's absolutely a difference between someone pointing out the organizational silence on their misstep. And to the BPPA's credit, they did say later that their president had gone on a broadcast program and expressed some sentiments. You're talking about Dan Ray's show on WBZ, I believe. Exactly, exactly. The president did go on the program and say that he was disgusted and it's embarrassing for the organization and they stand with the victims. But in terms of a coordinated media strategy, the way most organizations do have when someone comes forward and makes a heavy statement about a public scandal, you might see the president appear in one place, but then you also see like a statement on their website and a statement circulated through their social media accounts, which didn't happen. And for an elected official to point out that silence and for an organization to then veer into this very personal territory of an elected official, I don't I'm, I'd be surprised to find anybody who will publicly state that that is a fair comparison. Yeah, I'm sorry to say I'm never surprised when I see the Boston Patrolmen's Association going low. There's just too long a history of that. And paradoxically, th there is a legitimate dispute at, at the heart of this, and that's that $1.2 million dollars in additional requests for funds are being held up by Campbell. The additional funds are to address a spate of recent shootings. I get that point. I also get the point that Campbell, who is the 
chairwoman of the city council's public safety committee and through the council as the point person for dealing with the police, has said enough is enough until we get some answers to the Rose question. I don't want any more money going to these folks. It would have been interesting to have had a debate around those issues. But as is so often the case, the Patrolmen's Association shot themselves in the foot. I think Peter's spot on. I'm not surprised at all. Uh, and Soraya, I think you did a great job covering that. But uh, I'm not surprised in the least uh, because <laughs> for a number of other reasons. One is that at a moment when a lot of legitimate organizations and established institutions are holding up Black Lives Matter as a legitimate uh, concern and slogan. And to see police forces around the country pushing back against that, I think there's a level of defensiveness. It contributes to this as well. And so when you have uh, someone like Andrea Campbell, who has incarcerated people in her family, and the police see that symbolically as uh, you've got some nerve, uh, it, which is essentially what they said in her in their their tweets, they push back. And added to that, the Black Lives Matter atmosphere uh, has made them even more defensive. I think what you saw is a defensive response as opposed to an, an offensive against Andrea Campbell. You're seeing a defensive response to a broader issue of questions of police accountability uh, and the issue of defunding the police. Yeah, I mean, similar to the, the, the Taylor email, I think it's unfortunate that Campbell had to suffer the personal pain involved in that, but from a cold, raw political point of view, it was good for her because it once again got her name, figuratively speaking, in the papers, on the airwaves, on our podcast, it helps to make her uh, a figure equal to the acting mayor, Kim Janey. You know, there's much more equivalence there. Philip did an incredible job of raising the question of where does this leave Michelle Wu? L let me take a stab at a mini answer to that. I think if my observations are correct, Wu was really concentrating on building her ground game building a ground structure for the election when it really swings into action. Now, by the way, I'm not saying the other candidates aren't doing that, but I think Michelle Wu entered this race not only as the first candidate, but as the one who had the best organization on the ground. We'll obviously have to see how that plays out there. I'm just finding that the police association has woken up in 2021, and they've woken up to a very different Boston than they were accustomed to. To, certainly in 2013, certainly uh, when Ray Flynn was mayor, certainly when Menino was, was mayor, even when Walsh at the beginning of his term, uh, they're waking up to a, a city that is less fearful of the police union. There was always a degree of, some degree of, of respect, but mainly fear. <laughs> Uh, that they felt uh, from the patrolman's union and the uh, in the body of the association, that the main uh, uh, police union in town. And I think that that, uh, and part of that is the reason for their defensiveness. It's a new, if you will, new sheriff in town, actually new sheriffs in town, not just the mayor, but even um, the city council. It's such a different Boston 
than the one where they essentially reigned supreme in terms of dictating. Even to the point now where you run a story that the Globe has done almost every year about overtime for police officers. Even now, you can run that story every year and people are upset, disgusted, and it had no impact. I think when you run a story now, as they recently did, it has an impact when you see the type of overtime that police officers are, are making in the context, when you juxtapose that with the various abuses uh, that we're hearing about, and particularly the Rose case. Yeah, and, and to add to Philip's point, it really began when Andrea Campbell, before George Floyd's death, way before Marty Walsh found religion in police reform, it began when Campbell called for effective police reform and there was no effective backlash against her. In, in politics, once you know the limit of the damage someone can do, they, they become somewhat neutralized. Now, I'm not dismissing the police union as being um, without influence, but I, I think we've seen, I think we better understand um, the limits of their effectiveness. As a new Bostonian, and spoiler alert, I'm going to vote in my first Boston mayoral election this year, I was really encouraged that most of the candidates did come out and to varying degrees kind of chide the police union for its social media posts. It makes me feel good that whoever will lord over the city next at least has the wherewithal to say, all right, you guys crossed a line publicly. Peter Kadzis, Philip Martin, Soraya, Wintersmith, thanks for talking all this through. Adios. Thank you. Amigos. And that is going to do it for another installment of The Scrum. Thanks to Philip Martin and Soraya Wintersmith for joining me and Peter Kadzis. And as always, thanks to you for taking the time to listen. Subscribe to The Scrum, rate us if you haven't, and please talk back to us. You can email us at scrum at wgbh.org or find us on Twitter. I'm at Riley Adam. Peter is at Kadzis. And our producer, Zoe Matthews, is at Zoe S. Matthews with one T. We'll talk to you again soon. The Scrum is a production of GBH News.